of Victoria Green, a 22-year-old woman trying to figure out life, Jesus, and the intersection of the two. All while I tell you what my friends and I have learned so far. And today, you're listening to the Girls Unfiltered Podcast. Now, for this episode, I'll be by myself kicking off the Women's History Month series series. And it's going to be a Women in the Bible series. And who better to start off with this month than one of my favorite women in the Bible, Esther. Now, many of you may already know who Esther is, but let me give y'all a bit of an intro. Hebrew name, Hadassah. Persian name, Esther. Age unknown. Nationality, Hebrew. Family status, she's an orphan adopted by her older cousin, Mordecai. Occupation before marriage? Um, I really don't know. After marriage, though, she became queen of one of the most powerful empires, if not the most powerful empire of the 5th century BC. Now, now that I've given you her little cue card, her little spiel, I'm going to give y'all a background of Esther, some historical context of exactly where in the Bible and where in history Esther takes place. Now, as you probably know, the Hebrew people are in exile in the Persian Empire. In terms of the Bible timeline, Esther occurs after all the stuff that happens in the book of Daniel. And it happens in the midst of like Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah, and before Nehemiah and Malachi. So, basically, after the lion's den stuff, Nebuchadnezzar, after King Cyrus decrees Jews is the Jews release after King Darius because King Darius was the king right before King Xerxes and around 520 BC during Darius well King Darius my bad when the Persian Empire was at peace it seemed to be all good the Jewish people were finally able to try to rebuild the temple, and everything seemed to be going well. But there were still some people who had some issues. There were still some ops of the Jewish people. Because, let's be honest here, although King Cyrus, from around 50 years before Esther starts, was cool with the Jews, there were people writing him letters and notes People trying to stop the rebuild of the temple. In 521 BC, they also complained to King Darius, but he was basically like, don't disturb the construction of the temple. Instead, help them rebuild. Give them whatever they need. And during that time, prophets like Zechariah and Haggai were trying to encourage the Jews to not give up, letting them know that God was working on their behalf. Because let's be honest here, the average person didn't know that the king was rooting for their su- rooting for their success. They didn't have social media or TV back then. News traveled on paper and through gossip. So, if your local government officials, like the governor, are against you and your neighbors are treating you like trash, how are you supposed to know that the king is helping you out and that there are Jewish people working in the higher levels of the government? trying to fix the problems y'all are having come on now 
you wouldn't know. You would just think that the whole world's against you. So they need encouragement. By around 516 BC, the temple is was finally finished and dedicated to the Lord. Nehemiah hadn't happened yet, though, so there was still some vulnerability in Jerusalem, and there wasn't a whole lot going on, but Jerusalem was getting somewhere. The Jews were finally making a transition. Slow might, might it be, but it was still a transition back to the promised land. Now, let's jump around 30 years to about 486 B.C. And that's when King Xerxes comes in. And that's where the book of Esther starts. Let's be honest. Weird as it may be, ops were still mad. People were still upset that the Jews were finding favor with the kings upon kings upon kings and the higher officials. Now. That's where we are when we start the book of Esther. So let me give you a summary of this 10 chapter book. And like, mm, I'll try to give it to you in like a minute, but it might be a little bit more than 60 seconds, to be honest. So this book starts in the third year of King Xerxes reign. He throws a six month banquet to show off how great the Persian Empire is. Six months. Six months of partying. And at the end of the six months, he throws a week-long party. Think Crazy Rich Asians, but Persian Empire Edition. King Xerxes tells his servants to go get his wife, Queen Vashti, so he could show her off in front of his friends, acquaintances, and probably a couple of enemies. But at the same time, she was holding her own party for the ladies and was like, nah, fam, I'm not about to go over there just so he can show me off. I'm busy. But as you probably figured out, he was drunk. He got mad. He asked his advisors, well, more like his yes men, what he should do. And they were like, she can no longer be queen. She disrespected you. And if you let her off the hook, all the women in the kingdom will think that if the queen doesn't have to listen to her man, no one has to listen to their man. And women should know their place. So, she was banished from his sight and was no longer considered queen. Now, personally, I find that a bit of a tragedy because I love her name. It starts with a V just like mine. (laughs) And I don't know exactly what she did wrong. Like, I mean, I know she said no, but I never really quite understood that. But after some time, he got to looking for a new queen. Think the bachelor meets beauty pageant, but the bachelor of the season is the king of the Persian Empire. And the women didn't really choose to be there, but they couldn't really say no either. That's the situation Esther found herself navigating through because Esther ends up being recruited for the beauty pageant and immediately finds favor with the servant who's taking care of all the women. He was impressed with her. He was kind to her and he made sure she had all the special beauty treatments 
and a great diet. Wonderful food. All the food she could possibly eat. Probably meat, veggies, the whole nine yards. You know what I'm saying? Now, something to keep in mind was that during this time of prepping to meet the king, she didn't tell anybody her family background or nationality because Mordecai told her not to. Probably for safety reasons. Not so much safety from the king, but safety from the prejudiced people behind the scenes because they would probably try to take her out before she ever even met the king. Because if they knew she was Jewish, they'd be like, we have a Jewish queen in our hands? Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it already, you should for sure read it. Esther is an amazing book, and yes, I'm giving you all the highlights, but reading it firsthand and like actually getting the story behind it, the narrative, is so much better than what I'm telling you. Now, back to the spoiler alert. When Esther finally meets King Xerxes, he decides that she won the beauty pageant. Like, she she won, and she's going to be his queen. Nobody else could even compare to her. However, through all of this, she still keeps her family background and nationality a secret. Meanwhile, Mordecai, the cousin who adopted her and raised her as his own after her parents died, overhears some people saying they're going to kill the king while he's working at the palace. He tells Esther, she tells the queen, without revealing their relationship, of course, and the king thanks Mordecai and gives him a promotion. Now, while all of this is going on, King Xerxes had a second in command. His name was Haman. Like, hey, man, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying. Now, Haman was one of those people who hated the Jews. Like his whole career goal was to get rid of the get rid of the Jews because he just wasn't feeling them. Honestly, I have no idea what his real reason was. Which meant he really wasn't feeling all the favor they were receiving from higher up officials in the government. So as the second in command of the entire Persian Empire, who only had to really answer to the king himself, he thought he was finally going to put the Jews in their place. Quotes around in their place. An emphasis on he thought, because that's not exactly what happened. Because he didn't know that the new queen he was trying to impress was Jewish. He also didn't know that she was closely related to Mordecai, one of the men that she that he hated and wanted to annulize. <laughs> so, while Haman is planning to trick the king into allowing him to kill all the Jews, Mordecai is asking for Esther's help to save the Jews. Esther is praying and planning ways to approach her husband, the king, because she doesn't want to end up the same way as Vashti. And to be honest, if he was in a really bad mood, she didn't want to be killed because she showed up unannounced in front of her husband, the king. Now, this is my last spoiler. Esther ends up approaching the king, revealing her family history and helping the Jewish people. Haman, on the other hand, ends up being unalived the same way he planned to unalive Mordecai. 
because he not only plotted against the king's back, but he tricked King Xerxes into passing a law that could potentially hurt the Jewish people. In fact, March 7th, the day after this podcast goes live, is thought to be the anniversary of the Jewish people's victory over their ops in the Persian Empire. Now, like I said before, if you haven't read it, Esther is a must read in the Bible. And although I gave you the most, I gave you most of the story already, the imagery and the story itself is so much better than the summary I just gave you. It's a great read and there's so much to learn from each character, but now we're going to focus on what we can learn from Esther herself. The first thing I want to focus on, and there are four in total, the first thing I want to focus on is that Esther teaches us to remain faithful to God, even when it seems that God isn't there or that life isn't going your way. Now, the reason I say this is because many people say that Esther is the only book in the Bible that never mentions God. However, I only partially agree with that statement because God is definitely alluded to and acknowledged in this book, even if he's not called on by name. In fact, he's all in Esther's story, all over this book of the Bible. Because Esther... She was an orphan. She was a woman and she was Jewish. And during the time frame in which Esther occurred, the Hebrew people had a lot of enemies. So if she would have told people she was Jewish, people would have at worst tried to kill her or take her out before she got to the king. And at best, they probably would have been those people who were like, hmm, you're pretty for a Jewish girl type thing, which I'm going to be honest with you, stuff like that irks my nerves because it's not a compliment. It's, it's an insult. It's a blatant insult because what is, what do my looks and what does my cultural heritage have to do with my beauty? Come on now. However, Esther found favor through the entire process leading up to becoming queen, and then she became queen and found favor with the most powerful man in the empire, the king, all because during the entire process, God was with her. She never turned her back on him, and he never left her side. The second thing we learn from Esther is that God doesn't always speak to you directly. Sometimes he speaks through people, allowing them to speak on his behalf. For Esther, that person was Mordecai. He was constantly walking with God. And in fact, he is the person who actually says the most iconic verse in Esther. It's Esther 4.14. And I'm going to read you the New Living Translation version of this uh, verse. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief of the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. For just such a time as this? 
who knows if if whatever you personally are working on wherever you are whether it be the class you're in the school you go to the friend group you're in who knows if you are perfectly positioned in that friend group for for such a time as this i don't know what's going on in your life but god knows what's going on god knows exactly what's happening you know what's happening so just think about that the next thing we learn from esther is that if god has told you to do something do it it won't blow up in your face now a lot of times the scariest part of something especially when we have to do something is the anticipation of that thing what if it goes wrong what if i'm not actually hearing god on this what if my actions aren't received well what if i look dumb while doing it what if they say no a no from people doesn't always mean that it's a no especially when we're talking about promotions and opportunities now when it comes to kissing touching or and or having sex then of course no is always no i'm gonna say that again no always means no when it comes to stuff like that but saying no to an offer or an opportunity isn't quite the same thing the delivery or the timing just might be wrong so go for it until god tells you to stop okay because god will always make a way because he says something because when he says something is going to happen it's going to happen even if it looks differently than how you expected it to An example from Esther is that God worked through Mordecai to tell Esther to go to the king and advocate for the Jewish people. And rather than her dying on the spot, which could have easily happened, the king listened to what she had to say and passed a law to help the Jews with their enemies. Also, something to keep in mind is that God used the queen God used a Jewish woman to help bless and free the Jewish nation or the Jewish people, but also the Persian Empire. And that leads me to the fourth thing that we learned from Esther. And now, of course, this is not everything. I think everybody should study Esther and study the Bible on their own but the fourth thing that I'm gonna talk about today is that where you are blessings will follow if you're walking with God now as I said before the Persian Empire was not the most God-fearing empire in the world there was a lot of idol worship and honestly some interesting life choices going on but When the kings and other officials listened to God-fearing people such as Daniel, Nehemiah, and especially Esther, the Persian Empire was blessed. They had years of abundance, decades of abundance, because they listened to people like that, because they listened to Zechariah and Haggai, Nehemiah, Daniel, Esther, 
because the rulers were listening listening to God-fearing people. Now, a recap of what I've talked about today is that the first thing that we learn is remain faithful to God even when it seems that God isn't there or that life isn't going your way. That means keep praying, keep going to church, keep going to Bible study, keep reading your Bible, keep going to small group. Show up for God. Show up with God. Thank him in the morning. Pray over your food, even when it doesn't feel like he's listening to you, because he is there. The second thing we learn. God doesn't always speak to you directly. Sometimes he speaks through people, allowing them to speak on his behalf. So pray and seek God's guidance. Be open if the guidance comes from a mentor, a parent, or a random person who has no idea what you prayed for, but knows exactly what to say. And when Esther wasn't sure what to do, she prayed and fasted until she knew what to do and how to do it. It's okay to fast and pray. Just read your Bible and learn how to fast correctly. I don't want you doing it uh, unhealthily because that could lead to other issues that we don't need. (laughs) And also, I would like to add on 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. The third thing we learn. If God has told you to do something, do it. It won't blow up in your face. Now, this is something that I struggle with myself. But what we see from Esther is an example of a potentially dangerous and uncertain situation That worked out in Esther's favor because she talked to the king exactly when and how God told her to. If God has placed it in your heart to follow a certain career path, to start a YouTube channel, to join a club, or to even just talk to someone that you don't normally talk to, then do it. There's a reason God placed it on your heart. And the last thing that we touched on today is... Where you are, blessings will follow if you're walking with God. God will bless you in those around you. So my final thoughts for this week are that I ask you to read the book of Esther. Don't take notes. Don't try to study it. Just read it like you would a fictional story. Immerse yourself into the story. I personally like the NIV and NLT versions of the book because they're easier to read, but whatever you have will do. You can even have the YouVersion Bible app read it to you if audiobooks are are your thing. And then pray and ask God to show you why he has you in your school, in your friend group, on your teams, in your family. Ask him to show you why he has placed certain interests and desires in your heart and then pray for the courage to do what he's asking you to do.
Now, next week, we'll be talking about Ruth. And I'm going to be giving a little less historical context and giving you a little bit more of an applica- uh, practical application and what exactly we learned from Ruth and why she's important. Not only as a woman in the Bible, but just as a woman figure. To Again, I'm so glad that you decided to listen in today on the Girls Unfiltered podcast. I hope that you come again next week. If you like the show, give it five stars and give a comment down below what you liked about it and what you would like to hear. This is only episode one, so I'm still learning, still growing, still trying to figure it out. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will talk to you next Monday. The Girls Unfiltered Podcast. Bye.